he's he's getting the disciples ready for a change uh, a change here right and so he said uh, uh, in verse 23 he said in that day you shall ask me nothing so when he said in that day what is he talking about in that day so he's talking about the day after he goes to the cross right after he dies and gets raised from the dead he said in that day you shall ask me nothing uh, uh, now up to this time were they asking Jesus things they're asking Jesus all kinds of things he said but there's going to come a time when I'm not around and you're not going to ask me you're not going to ask me anything he said, uh, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. So this gives us a foundation of, of how we pray in the New Testament. In the New Testament, we pray who, to who? To the Father, right? Uh, and he says, uh, he said, ask the Father in my name. So we don't go to the Father in our ability. Lord, look how good I am. Lord, you know, I've done this three times in a row. Lord, you owe me things. No, we, we go not with any of our, uh, our um, good works. We go with the works of the Lord Jesus. Father, I get to come to you because of what Jesus did in my name. Uh, he said, and he'll give it to you. Uh, he said, uh, hitherto you have asked me nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So, so up to this time, nobody was asking things in the name of Jesus because the name of Jesus hadn't been solidified. He hasn't completed the work of the cross, so he hasn't been granted that name that's above every name yet. Uh, he's still working on that to, to get to the cross to do that. But when you do that, when, when that time comes, in that day, when that day comes, then we get to use the name of Jesus. And he says, uh, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So one of the ways we can have fullness of joy is to ask of the Lord, right? Ask of the Lord things and we get fullness of joy, right? Uh, and that's a pretty good deal. I think that's a pretty sweet deal, right? Well, I just want to be happy. It tells you right there how to be full of joy, right? Not just I had a moment of joy. I had a fleeting instance of happiness. You can be full of joy. That's a pretty good deal right there, right? Uh, and he says, uh, and then he comes on down. He says, at that day, in verse 26, at that day you shall, you shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. And that, the verse 26 is what I want to just mention today, that, uh, that Jesus is he's laying down the law right here, right? He's saying, look, this is how things are going to operate. He said, you're going to have to ask the Father. He said, and I'm not going to do it for you. Uh, and how many times, even even in certain circles of the church, they'll say, well, uh, you know, part of the part of the reason why they say pray to Mary, which, of course, is not really biblical. But in the Catholic Church, they say pray to Mary because they're hoping that Mary will get in good with the Lord Jesus on your behalf. And, uh, and, and well, that wouldn't work anyway, because Jesus, said, well, you can talk to me all you want to. He said, I'm not going to talk to the father on your behalf. You're going to talk to the father uh, directly. And he says, why? Why does he do that? He says in verse 27, for the Father himself loves you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to talk, you to talk to him. He wants you to go to him in the name of Jesus, ask whatever you want to. He said, it'll be done unto you. He said, but remember, I'm not doing this for you. I'm not doing your work. Uh, and, and so, uh, and that's one of the things we find in the churches, you know, because uh, we're human beings, right? And we're always wanting somebody else to do our work for us. We're always wanting somebody else to pray for us. Well, pray for me, brother. Well, are you praying for yourself? No, I just hope you do all that for me, right? Uh, and what, what did Jesus say? I ain't doing it. Jesus, you know, would you ask the Father, you know, I, I need this or the, that? Jesus said, nope. Because what did he say right there? He said, I, I, do not, I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you or on your behalf. So the, the Lord Jesus is not, when you should be praying, he's not going to go, well, you're not praying, so I'm just going to do that for you. He, he's not going to do that. And so, so why do we not have things uh, in our lives that we want to sometimes? Because we're not praying. 
Well, why isn't Jesus doing that? He said he's not going to do that. Amen. Well, I want him to do that. That's fine. He said he's not going to do that. Amen. Uh, and so, now to me, this is good news, right? Because he didn't say you're stuck. He said, uh, he said uh, you're not stuck. You just do that. Uh, well, I'm not comfortable doing that. Uh, well, then you've got to get comfortable going to the Father. You, have, you know, people, I'm afraid to go to the Father. Well, you don't have to be afraid. You go because you go in his name. You don't go in your name. You go in his name. And if you go and you, you're, you ever been, a, you ever see people that name droppers? Well, you know, the boss told me to come talk to you, right? Uh, and, and so, uh, we, you know, we, we do that all the time, right? We do that in our own lives, right? Well, so-and-so, you know, mom told me to tell you to do that, even though mom never told you to do anything, right? Uh, but you say that because if you just said, hey, do that, they won't do that. But if you said mom said to do it, you know, then you're more likely to do that, Amen. Well, now we can be a name dropper with the Father. Well, the Father, you know, I'm coming to you in the precious name of Jesus. And, and what would you like? Ask and it, and that your joy may be full. Amen? Because uh, you said the Father loves you. Uh, and so, uh, but the thing that it just kind of struck me out, that Jesus said, I'm not doing it. I am not doing your work for you. I'm not going to go to the Father and pray uh, on your behalf. Right now, he does pray for us, but he doesn't pray in place of us. Right? He doesn't do your work for you. Uh, and so, but that means you can do it. It means you can go to the Father, ask whatever you need, and want, want, and desire. And he said, uh, I want to give it to you because I want your joy to be full on this earth. That's a pretty good deal. Amen. Uh, and so let's do that. Amen. Uh, and so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute. We'll get into praise and worship. Thanks, Father, that you planned from before the foundation of the world to do on our behalf. Father, you said in your word that it's your great desire that we have fullness of joy, Father, in this earth. Not just when we arrive in heaven, Father. Today, Father, you want us to be full of, full of joy, full of happiness, Father, full of peace, full of the good things of heaven, Father, full of divine health. Father, full of soundness of mind. All of our needs met, Father. Father, that's, that's the things you want us to have. That's the desire that you have for us. And so, Father, we will get out of the way, Father, from your blessings. And we will allow your blessings to flow freely from heaven. Thank you, Father. And Father, we thank you for watching over us. Be good to us, Father. Giving us your spirit. Dying for us, Father. Shedding blood for us. We're so thankful, Father, for what you've done for us. And Father, we give you praise and honor for these things. We thank you for all of them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? We appreciate all of his goodness and kindness. Amen. We thank him for all the wonderful things he's done for us. Amen. And uh, he's done so much for us that, uh, you know, we don't even know. Amen. Uh, and um, I mean, as much as we know from the word of God, I say there's still plenty of things that we won't even know until we get to heaven. All the wonderful things he's done for us. Amen. Uh, and so praise God. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of First uh, Thessalonians. And... Um, so we're going we're gonna to have 
uh, well, we're going to be here for a while. We're going to teach on the subject of spirit, soul, and body. Uh, and, uh, you know, the subject of spirit, soul, and body is really understanding how do we operate as human beings, right? The Lord created us all the way back in the garden with, with Adam. But, uh, you know, he, he, he said, let us make man in our image. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't just, you know, he could have made us like a toad frog, right? You know, not very exciting, just, you know, we're kind of a lump there, right? Uh, no, he wanted to invest a lot into us, amen? He said he didn't want to make us like something else. And I think that's part of the reason why the enemy, the devil, hates us so much. Because the angels are not made in God's image. They're created beings, and they're supernatural, and they're very powerful, but they're not made in God's image. We are made in God's image. And so if you want to know what that means, then you have to study on the subject of spirit, soul, and body, because that's how God made us. Uh, and, you know, for me, one of the things that's always, it's always been uh, just, I came out of the womb this way. I want to know how things work. I want to know, you know, when I was a kid, I'd take things apart. And sometimes I'd be able to get them back together, you know, but not always, right? You know, it's like, well, you, didn't, you put it back together, there's extra parts, right? And so, you know, uh, what do you do with them? Well, you throw them away, hope nobody ever notices them. Uh, and so, but I've always desired to know, how do things work? How do they operate? Why do they work that way? Why did God make a spirit, soul, and body? Uh, and, and if you want to know why, you know, why is that person over there always seems like the successful and this person over here uh, in not just the natural things, right? Because when we say successful, you think, well, it's a big bank account. Well, how many uh, wealthy people are, are terribly uh, uh, wrought with uh, anxiety and worries and frets and, you know, lack of peace or lack of morals? You know, natural success of your bank account is not the greatest measure of success. Amen. But a Christian who is, walks in the plan and will of God, who is successful, they'll be successful first in the spirit realm, and then successful in the, in the soulless realm, and then eventually be successful in the natural realm, so you get the package deal. You know, the, the church is not supposed to be successful only in the spiritual things and then broke in the world, right? They're not supposed to be successful in spiritual things and then full of sickness and disease. You know, many years ago, they don't do it anymore, but many years ago, I, you know, I do my own taxes and and I love the pain and agony of doing that. It takes me, you know, like a whole day. I have to set this whole day aside to do my taxes. And I've always done them. And so, because I think, well, as a, as a citizen, I should know how to do taxes. And I think if all the people in Congress had to do their own taxes, then things would change, right? But they pay somebody else to do them. And so, but I'm not doing that. And so, because I want to know how these things work. And so, but at the end of my taxes, they'd say, would you like to compare you know, uh, your tax return with people in your peer group, right? People who had the same amount of income, uh, and would you like to see kind of where you fall with them, right? And they asked, yeah, sure, that's fine. You know, you push a button and it comes up with this thing. And the thing that was interesting is uh, they showed all these people, in, you know, uh, uh, my wife and I, the Lord's blessed us. We've been fairly successful financially, right? And, and so uh, if you look at uh, our tax return, our giving is like way up here, right? We, got, we, we give a lot of money away, right? I mean, thousands and tens of thousands of dollars every year we give it away. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're hoping to give away more money, right? We're always trying to give away, figure out how to give more money away. Don't come up from your church and, and how do I get on the list? That's, I'm, not, I'm not looking for a sign-up sheet here, right? Uh, and so, uh, but we give a lot of money away, amen? And so, then my peer group, they like nothing. I mean, like, you know, like 0.1% is what they give away, right? And, and so it's like, man, these are stingy people. Right? They, should be, they should be generous people, but they're stingy people. But then they look over here and say, well, what's your health care spending? Well, our health care spending is zero, 
right? I mean, we, we almost spend almost no money on health care. You know, we've got health insurance, you know, and every now and then uh, we'll, we'll spend a little money on it, but for the most part, we spend almost no money on health care. Their health care spending is way up here, right? Why? Because they're sick all the time. They go to the doctors all the time. They're always, they're always got something wrong with them all the time. Uh, and so if you live a successful spiritual life, see, you can still have the, the column of your income be way over here, but if, if you're going to be successfully spiritually, then your column of giving is always also way up here. But then your column for health care is way down here. Well, wouldn't that be not? How, how valuable would that be to you to, to get to that point in your life? Well, if you want to know how to live that way, uh, it's, it's all wrapped up in following God's plan. And so you're going to know how, how did God do these things? Why did he do it this way? Why did he create spirit, soul, and body? You know, because it, the Bible says that God's a spirit. Well, why didn't he just leave us in the spirit realm? Well, you know, we don't know the answers to a lot of those questions because, you know, from our perspective, well, God just wanted to do it. Amen. Uh, and so if God, uh, you know, God created every realm that there is. Amen. And as far as we know, the spirit realm has always been because God's a spirit. So the spirit realm has, has always been. But the natural realm has not always been. God decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create this whole new realm. It's going to call it the natural realm. And we're going to have planets and stars and moons and all kinds of cool things out there. Uh, and... Now, this is my opinion. You know, I don't have any book, chapter, and verse for it. People wonder, you know, is there alien life out there? Uh, you know, are there little green men somewhere out there? And the, my opinion is because God is such a big God that he flung the trillions of stars in the sky just for us to have something to look at at night. Because that's the kind of God he... Well, it would be such a waste. It's not for God. It's never a waste for God. He said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make trillions. In fact, they don't even know how many stars there are because there's trillions and trillions of stars. And they, they keep making these bigger telescopes. They just threw up that one. The, the last one is James Webb Telescope. And it's sitting out there. Uh, uh, it's called the Lagrange uh, position. It's somewhere. It's, it's basically the, the distance between the sun and the earth where the gravitational pull is exactly the same between the sun and the earth. So it's out there several million miles out there in space. And they did that for a lot of reasons. Uh, and, and they're taking all these spectacular photographs in space. And they go, you know, we pointed out to this area of space where, the, where we knew there was nothing there because the Hubble Space Telescope, which was an amazing thing, floating around the earth uh, about the size of a school bus, it's taken some great pictures. But then uh, it, it would take pictures of space. There's nothing out there. Well, they got this new telescope that will point it out there, and all of a sudden, trillions more stars. And it's like, wow, a second ago there was nothing. Now there's all this stuff. Well, why did God make all this stuff? Because God is amazing, right? And he's like, you know, you know what we're going to do? Let's just make a, let's make a universe. You want to? Well, what do you want it to look like? I don't know. There's lots of stuff. You know, big exploding stars, you know, uh, and, and uh, planets and all kinds of things. Well, why? Because I'm God, and I just wanted to do that. That's just the kind of God he is, amen? Now, it, it, I have no idea, right? And people, oh, the Bible says, the Bible doesn't say nothing about it, amen? And the Bible doesn't say anything about it. You know, I'm assuming there's nothing out there uh, just because God wants us to look at it. Now, you know, maybe someday we get to go to the stars, amen? Maybe the Lord's plan for humanity was to go to the stars. I don't know. That, it, the Bible didn't give us any details about that. We got enough mess on the earth right now to deal with it here until the end of time and then until the end of, and, uh, the, end of the word of God. You know, the, 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 our relationship with God doesn't end at the last chapter of the book of Revelation. Amen. You know, there's other things we will do in the future. But, but right now, we've got to learn how to be successful where we are today. Amen. Uh, and so the Lord uh, created these realms. And so Paul, Paul really gives us a good, uh, a good starting point here in the book of the, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 23. He said, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so Paul, of course, Paul, had, as the great apostle, he had probably more revelation in this area than all the other apostles, maybe all of them combined, because he just had great revelation in this area. And so Paul is making a distinction about these three aspects of, of humanity, that, that, we, that uh, uh, there is a spirit, there is a soul, and there is a body. Uh, and, and if you want to, uh, you know, like some things, if you give me a computer, I can take it apart and fix it backwards. You know, if you give me certain things, I can take it apart and fix it back. But other things, I look at it and go, I have no idea what's going on. Uh, and so if it breaks, I'm just going to take advantage that the Lord blessed me. I'm going to go buy another one. I mean, I could fix it, right? And how many things have you got on the shelf that, yeah, I'm going to fix it someday? You're not going to fix it someday. If you're not fixing it today, you're probably never going to fix it, right? But I'm, you've, got to hang, you've got to hang on to it, right? Because we were all told as kids, you've got to hang on to it till forever, right? And I, there's things like, someday I'm going to fix it. And then, you know, after a while, you grow up and go, I ain't going to fix that. I'll never get around to fixing it. Uh, maybe I could, but I just don't have time to fix it, and so I'll just go buy me another one right now. Uh, but uh, you can't do that with your physical body. You can't do that with your life, so you have to learn how it works. And if you learn how the Lord set these things up, see, then it's going to be to your advantage. Amen? And, and the church struggled in this area. And hopefully at the end of this teaching, you know, you'll realize this is why I'm struggling in this area of my life. This is why I'm, I'm struggling being successful. If you learn these principles from the Word of God, you can understand uh, how can you get from where you are to where you could be. Amen? Now, when I first got saved, as I started reading the Word of God, I was reading the Word of God you know, as, as when I was 15, started uh, reading, and I thought, well, I should read the Word of God an hour a day. It seemed like a, 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 you know, and you know, you can read a lot of the Bible in an hour a day, amen? And as I started reading the Word of God, I thought, you know, Lord, this shows me where I could be. And I go look in the mirror, it's like, I'm not anywhere close to that. You, you ever realize from the Word of God somewhere you could be, but you realized you weren't even close to that? Amen. Well, that didn't, that didn't discourage me. It gave me hope. Well, then I can get there. If it says I can get there, then I can get there. Uh, you know, a lot of people look at the Word of God, nobody can live that way, and they just give it up. They don't even try. Don't you know, and they think it's not worth the effort. It is worth the effort. Amen. 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 It's worth the effort to find out what the Word of God says and to follow that. Amen. So, so the Lord created these three areas. Now, the spirit realm's always been there because God's always been. The Bible says God's the spirit. So the spirit realm's always But the Lord created the, the, the natural realm has a beginning. Amen. In the beginning, right? In the book of Genesis, the very first three words. In the beginning, right? God created the heavens and the earth. So the spirit realm was not created. It's always been. But the natural world was created. Uh, and so uh, these three areas, uh, this is what makes up humanity. Every person uh, is these three things, spirit, soul, and body. Uh, and uh, uh, if you go back, a lot of people don't understand between the, dis the distinction between spirit and soul, right? Everybody knows body, right? But they kind of lump spirit and soul together. In fact, uh, I, I was reading an article by somebody who used to write these articles in a the paper. They don't do it much anymore, I don't guess, but... Uh, they said, you know, spirit and soul, uh, they said, uh, they, they are used interchangeably in the Word of God, and they're the same. Like, what, you, you ever read the Word of God? I mean, you know, but why would you say that? Because for, for centuries, the church had no understanding of the difference between spirit and soul. And it's really the difference between being successful and not being successful. If you don't understand the distinction between spirit and soul, you will never be successful in this life. You'll struggle and you'll wonder why. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? easiest thing in the world to be a Christian. Anybody tells you it's hard being a Christian, they have no concept of spirit and soul. When you read the Word of God, you realize easiest thing in the world to be a Christian. The easiest thing to be successful as a Christian, easiest thing to be full of joy as a Christian, easiest thing. I mean, Jesus said, my yoke is what? Easy. Easy and my burden is what? Light. If Jesus said it, then, then either he's lying or it's so. But he said it's so, right? If he says it's so, then it's so. Well, I'm not living that way. Well, that, that's a different discussion. Amen. 
He, if he said it's so, then it's so. So then we, then we need to aspire to live to that point. Right. And what you'll find out, the more that you know about the Word of God, the easier it is to live as a Christian. It's not harder to live as a Christian. The easiest thing it was to live as a Christian. Uh, and so, so for centuries, the church has not understood these things. And really, you know, we have to give, we have to give credit to some of our forefathers of faith because they're the ones who, who figured this stuff out for us. Now we can go read a book and say, well, yeah, that makes sense to me. It's obvious, right? But for centuries, the church didn't know that. And, and, and really, I, my, my opinion is that Kenneth Hagin was the one who probably brought this uh, revelation into the church more so than any other minister. And it's not revelation like brand new stuff. It's always been in the Word of God. But understanding it ha has been a mystery to the church for centuries. And so he would go around. He was a traveling minister back, you know, in the early part of the, uh, the 20th century. And he, he was a traveling, he'd go to pastors all over the country. What's the difference between spirit and soul? Well, I didn't know there was a difference. I thought they were the same. And well, the next guy, hey, what's the difference between spirit and soul? Well, I, I thought they were the same. Well, why are they the same? If Paul made a distinction here, then there has to be a difference. And so uh, over decades, it took him about 30 years to figure out, uh, at least get to the starting point, not even to all the details of it, but the starting point. Uh, and, and so he started making a distinction. He said, well, we know that with the physical body, we, we contact, we have interaction with the natural realm. Okay, so that one's pretty easy, right? So then you got spirit and soul left. He said, well, I mean, we know there's a spirit realm. We know that God says that God is a spirit, uh, and we know there's a spirit realm. And so that then, then it has to be that our spirit then contacts the spirit realm. Well, okay, that makes sense. So then what, what's the last part of it? Then the soul. So what's left in humanity that, that we need to define as far as what the soul is. Well, the soul, we have an intellectual realm, don't we? We have a mental realm, a thought life. Uh, and, and so, so Paul, uh, not Paul, but uh, Brother Hagin wrote down, he said, with the spirit realm, we contact the spirit. With the physical body, we contact the, the natural realm. And with the mind or the soul, we contact the, the soulless realm, the intellectual, emotional, thought life realm. And so, okay, that makes sense. And so he built upon that foundation of, okay, let's understand at least those three areas that the spirit realm, your spirit contacts the spirit realm. Your physical body contacts the, the natural realm and your soul contacts the emotional and mental realm. And so those three areas then, so he's built upon that and the church is built upon that, that revelation. It's just what the word of God says, but getting some understanding of these things is a good place to start. Yes. And so that's how we're going to start. We're going we're to talk about these three areas, spirit, soul, and body, uh, and get some understanding of this because if you can get these settled in your heart, then you can at least be on the path to being successful, amen? Uh, and you can understand why there's struggles in your life. Why do I have so much problems in this area of my life? Uh, and, and we're thankful that Paul uh, had some of these struggles uh, because if he had struggles, then, then it's not so bad if we have struggles, amen? You know, sometimes the church acts like, well, you know, you shouldn't have any struggles in life. Life should just, you know, go through life and nobody's ever say anything to you. you know, that uh, you never have a day where, where you're just feeling bad and uh, you never have any temptations to get mad or, you know, life should just be super easy without any effort. Well, it takes effort. Uh, but if you put the effort in, then you still get the blessings, amen? And a lot of times the church doesn't want to put the effort into, well, how do I live this way? They just want it to be done for us. And, and uh, it's unfortunate, but that's the way some, some folks are, amen? Uh, and so uh, let's just get, get started in the spirit realm. And we're, we've got no particular goal to get this done any time soon, right? So we'll get it done when we get it done. So let's turn to John chapter 4, and we'll start here, just to kind of get settled in about the spirit realm. 
And so if you go through the Word of God, especially the New Testament, right? The New Testament is written in Greek. And so sometimes you have to kind of dig a little bit to find out some of these things. And so what you'll find is in the spirit realm, as far as things related to the spirit, what you'll find, it's always the same Greek word for pneuma, right? Uh, and that doesn't matter, but you can look it up in, in a, a Bible program of any kind, and you can find out, well, what Greek word was used for this thing? And so, so the translators would have to take that Greek word pneuma and then decide, well, we're going to call it the English word spirit, and that's what they decided to do. Uh, and so uh, and that, that will be important in some places here. Uh, most of the time, uh, we can just go on with the English word. But it says here uh, that, that uh, um, let's just start in verse 24. Uh, it says, God is a spirit. All right, so God is a spirit. It never says that God, is a, God has a natural body. It never says that, that God uh, has, uh, you know, a, a physical form. But we do know uh, that in the spirit realm that there, there is a form in the spirit realm because we, we know the word of God talks about the hand of God, the, the eyes of God, that he hears things, God hears things. It talks about the nostrils of God. So even in the spirit realm, there is a, a, you know, some people in the church believe that the spirit realm, that we're all blobs. We're just energy blobs, you know, like, an, like a spirit amoeba. You know, we're just kind of floating around, no direct, no, no distinct form. But no, the, 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 uh, where is Jesus at right now? What's he doing? Is he standing or sitting? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, right? So we know there's a throne in heaven, right? We know, so, so it means he has the capacity to sit. That means he has legs and thighs, right? Uh, and, and so uh, he, the spirit realm is not just some blobby, you know, uh, undefined thing. Uh, the, the, the natural realm is actually a reflection of what's in the spirit realm. So uh, if we, and we're going to talk about as, as, as we go along uh, other, other scriptures there, mostly when we get into the solar realm, uh, we'll talk about some of those things. But uh, uh, what you look like in the, in the spirit realm is what you look like, right? Now, you hopefully look a little better, right? Uh, spirit realm, but uh, you, look at, you look at your best in the spirit realm. Uh, and your natural person is a reflection of what's in the spirit realm. Now, people can twist it, you know, they can cut all their hair off and they can do different things, right? Uh, and make them look different. But, but essentially, people are going to recognize you in the spirit realm. If they saw you in the spirit realm, they would recognize you. When we get to heaven, we'll recognize each other. Amen? We'll, we'll see what the Word of God, we'll show that from the Word of God that that's so. But God is a spirit. Uh, and when he made the natural realm, it's a reflection of what he has in the spirit realm. Right? So he made, when he created mankind with hands and feet and eyes and these things... That's a reflection of what you also have in the realm of the spirit. Amen. Uh, and so God's a spirit uh, and they that worship him and must worship him in spirit and truth. So when we worship God, it's important to worship in the realm of the spirit, right? By their spirit. And we're, we're going to talk about some of these things, what it means to be in the spirit and what it means to, to walk in the spirit, uh, because we need to know these things. Uh, and so uh, before we get there, let, let's turn over to, um, uh, um, let's see. Uh, well, let's turn to the book of Hebrews. We'll start in, in verse 12, or chapter 12, and then we're going to jump over to uh, chapter 4 there. So <clears throat> Hebrews is, is always a good book. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, good... I thought about doing a study in the book of Hebrews, but uh, the millennial reign probably wouldn't be long enough for, for that study, right? But we may do it one of these days anyway. And so <clears throat> it says here that... Uh, 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 let's start in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9. It says, Furthermore, we have had our fathers of our flesh which corrected us, which gave, uh, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? 
And so who is the father of spirits? The, the father of God, right? The father of God. So, so this starts to tell us something that, that if there's any spirit beings uh, in the earth, and we are all spirit beings, who is the father or the creator of those spirit beings? God the Father is, right? Uh, and that's really important to know that your spirit man, who we call your spirit man or your spirit being, uh, was created by God. Now, your natural body, right, the, the, the physical hands and feet that you have, is a creation and, and a bringing together from your mother and father, right? The DNA of your mother, the DNA of your father came together, you know, and we're not going to go through a biology class here, but, uh, but you know, when a mama and a daddy love each other, right, they do things and, and uh, you know, and things happen, right? Uh, and so uh, your physical body then is a reflection of the DNA from your parents. Now, if your parents had good DNA, then, you know, you've got a good, strong body. But if your parents had, you know, maybe less than great DNA, there may be things that you've got to deal with and overcome. But you can't overcome them, amen? You're not, you're not limited to what was, what was handed down to you by your parents. That's the starting point. You can improve upon that, and you can get better, and you get stronger, and you don't have to be subject to, to the things uh, of your parents. You know, my dad died of a heart disease uh, when he was 58 years old. Actually, I'm 58 years old right now, uh, and so I'm going to way outlive my dad. Uh, and so, but if I go to the, if I go to the, the insurance company, they say, you know, how old was your dad uh, when he died? I say 58. Well, if he was 60, it would be okay. But 58, uh, that means that uh, we can't give you the best life insurance. I said, but I'm not going to die like my dad did. D- doesn't matter your number. Your number on a spreadsheet, and when, as far as the insurance is concerned, you, faith has nothing, got nothing to do with nothing. Amen? Uh, and you're, so you're just a number. So if your dad died when he's 58, too bad for you. It's like, well, you know, I'm going to be giving you a lot of money because I'm never going to be using this life insurance for a long time, right? Uh, and so, uh, so you can overcome that, right? I'm not going to die of heart disease. I'm not going to die of a heart attack. Uh, but I chose to overcome that, amen? I chose to, uh, to ignore that. You know, my, in, a lot of my family, oh, you got to go do your... No, I'm not living in that fear of that. Uh, I refuse to live in that fear of that because I have a choice, amen? I have a choice to live by faith or I have a choice to live by what's been handed to me by my parents, amen? And so I'm going to choose to live by faith. So, so God is the father of all spirits, right? So, so he created all the spirits. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. So let's, let's come, turn back just a couple of, of chapters there to chapter 4. And, and this is why when people say, well, there's no distinction between spirit and soul. There's no difference. Same thing. Well, it's like, well, well, then why does the Bible say there's a difference, right? That's what I always do. It's like, well, you know, read the Bible. And so, so it says here in verse 12, and this is really important. It says, for the word of God is quick, or it's alive, right? That one definition of word quick is alive. The word of God. So this word, right, this Bible is not just dead words on a page. It's alive. It has supernatural life in it, amen? If you read it, it brings supernatural life into your life, amen? That's why you should desire and read the word of God. The word of God is not some boring, it's just a boring old thick book written by the first century, you know? And even uh, pastors and ministers sometimes who are, don't know any better, well, you know, we're not, we're not going to be defined by the morals of a first century book. This, this Bible is not a first century book. It's an eternal book. It, it's, it's words that came from heaven. Amen? So it's not just written in the first century by a bunch of old guys, right? Old dead guys. It, it's a book that gives you words that were declared in heaven and God moved them out of the spirit realm that were, where they were spoken into the natural realm and encoded them on pages for us to read because they're words from heaven. And that's why it's alive, amen? It's not some dead words on page. Uh, and it's powerful, amen? amen? It's not dead, it's powerful, amen? Is that what it says? It's quick, it's alive, and it's powerful. 
and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit. So the Word of God can, can show us and distinguish for us the difference between soul and spirit. Amen? It's not just a mental exercise. The Word of God will show us and explain to us and separate for us, divide asunder. Well, here's spirit stuff. Here's soul stuff. Understand what the difference is, and all will be well. Amen? Uh, and so, so that's why we go to the Word of God. That's why we study the Word of God. Well, Lord, I want to know what the difference between spirit and soul is. Uh, and if you'll study it well enough and study it diligently enough, you'll find it out. Amen? Amen. Uh, and so the Word of God is able to make a distinction between soul and spirit. So when somebody says there's no difference between soul and spirit, well, then they're, they're, they're in conflict with the Word of God. The Word of God says that there's a distinction and that it requires the Word of God to make that distinction. And so if there is a distinction, then we should know what it is. Amen? Now, you know, you, some people want to go, well, there's no, it's, you know, you got two pedals in your car, it doesn't matter, they're the same things, right? Two pedals is the same thing, right? Doesn't matter which one you push, we'll go, go to the red light and find out, right? Uh, and so there is a distinction. And you should know what the distinction is, amen? Uh, and so uh, the Word of God will show you that. The owner's manual will show you, don't press this, this pedal at the red light, right? Press the left pedal at the red light. Uh, and so, and, and as a discerner of the, uh, the soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I don't know why I'm doing that. The Word of God can tell you why you're doing that. It will discern of the thoughts and intent. Why, why are you doing these things? You know, some people want spectacular words from heaven, and those are wonderful, right? The Lord can speak to us, show us these things. A lot of problems in your life, just find out what the Word of God says. You know, you don't need a, you don't need a spectacular vision and experience from heaven in order to know why you're doing things. It will tell you, here's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Why are you doing the things you're doing? Just read the Word of God, amen? And so that's why the Word of God is important, because it, it shows us and it will teach us the distinction between these two things, Amen. Uh, and so let, let's turn then to the book of John. Uh, we'll start in chapter 1. And so we've got to give a little, a little history here. Um, and we've been down this rabbit path many times, but uh, we've got to start here to understand the spirit realm. Amen? Uh, and so it says here, this is John chapter 1. Uh, let's start in verse 9. It says, uh, uh, you're talking about... Uh, uh, the Lord Jesus says, that was, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So he's talking about the Lord Jesus, but the key that we want to talk about today is he lights every man that comes into the world. So every human being that comes into the world, right? We read there in, in Hebrews 12, 9, that God is a father of spirits, right? Every human being that comes into the world says God turns that light on. What's that light that he's talking about? He's talking about the spiritual life of that person, that spirit being. God turns that spirit being on in that human baby, right? Uh, and so uh, that's why every baby is precious because their spirits were all created by God. And God placed a special portion of that spirit in that baby and caused it to be alive. Now, uh, there, are, there are myths and, and uh, uh, ideas that are incorrect that said, well, you know, we were all in heaven before uh, we came to the earth. No, we get turned on, the light gets turned on spiritually when you get born into the earth, right? When you're actually at, at the point of, of conception, God places that spirit into that child there, right? You didn't exist beforehand. Uh, there, there are some Jewish myths that, that we all existed beforehand. We, didn't, we had a beginning, amen? 
God has no beginning, but every human being has a beginning, right? We don't have it. We weren't here forever before, and there's no such thing as reincarnation. There's no such thing as all these weird ideas. You have a beginning. Your beginning was at the point of conception, and God turned uh, that light on. Your parents' DNA came together and created a physical body. God went in there and created a spiritual body, a spirit being in you at that point of conception. Amen? And that's why every baby is precious, right? Because they are made in the image of God. God created them in that moment. Amen? Uh, and uh, and so, so that baby then, uh, that, that spirit being in, in this life, and it's important to understand this little rabbit path that we're going to go through because you've got to understand the whole situation with, with, with the spirit being. Amen? Now, that spirit being was created by God. Was it created uh, in a perfect sense? Was there any errors in that spirit baby when that God created that spirit for that baby? No. no. So that baby spirit is nothing wrong with it. Amen. Perfectly fine. Amen. Uh, and and it, it's unfortunate, but some babies, some babies don't make it to term, right? They, they are sick and sometimes even are stillborn. Amen. My, my mother had a stillborn child early on uh, when, she was, uh, when she was having babies, right? Uh, there's 11 kids in our family and I think there was... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think there was 13 total babies that were conceived, and two of them didn't make it. Uh, and so they just kept on trying and, and got a bunch more. And so, uh, but, but that spirit, even though that baby didn't make it physically, God still created that spirit. So that spirit is alive unto God, no errors in it. And that baby, th- those babies that my mother had that didn't make it to, uh, to being born, where did they go when they died physically? Where the, their spirits or alive unto God, they go back up to heaven. Amen? So, so the, the qualification to go to heaven is to have a spirit that's alive unto God. And that's important to know because as we go through the Word of God here, we'll see some things and understand of, of why we are in the position we're in today as humanity. Uh, amen? So the qualification to get to heaven is to be a, a spirit that is alive unto God. When God created that spirit baby in, in that physical body, it, that spirit was alive in the God. Amen? The life of God was in it. Uh, and that means that it can go to heaven. And, and now, what's that baby going to look like? I, I imagine, you know, I haven't really, we don't have any details about that, but I imagine it's going to grow up and, and be like a regular person in heaven. Amen? And so, so that, does that mean everybody gets to go to heaven? No, but it means everybody gets to start on the way to heaven. Amen? Every person starts in the earth on the path to heaven. Amen. Now let's turn over to, to Romans chapter 7. And, and we're going to spend uh, a lot of time in Romans chapter 7 o- over this teaching because Romans chapter 7, I think, is one of the best uh, chapters to understand all of these things. Uh, and so, so now uh, Paul is talking about, let's start in verse 7. Uh, and we're going to read a few verses here and we'll come back later on and, and come back and wallow around chapter 7 for a while. He says, in chapter 7, verse 7, he said, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. So he's talking about the law of God. He's primarily talking about the Old Testament, right? Do this, don't do that. Ten commandments and everything else along with that. There's really not ten commandments. There's, there, there's like 637 commandments of the Old Testament, right? If you're, if you're a a, a, a uh, Orthodox Jew, you know all of those 600-something commandments. That'd be a lot of work, right? Fortunately, the Lord's in the New Testament goes, that's just too much. Let's go to one. You want to? The law of love. The law of love covers everything else, and so now in the New Testament, we have to just follow one law, the law of love. Makes it real easy. How many people are you going to steal from if you walk in love? 
No. How many people are you going to kill if you walk in love? How many people are you going to gossip on if you walk in love? No. So walking walk in love is the best commandment of all of them. Amen. Uh, and so, but he's saying, you know, uh, somebody has to lay down the rules. And is it God someone who lays down the rules? You know, why does humanity know it's wrong to, to murder somebody? We, I, we all know that, right? Well, it's just wrong. Well, but how do you know it's wrong? See, that right there tells you there's a God, that somebody's making the rules, right? And people thought, well, we just, we just decided. No, you didn't decide. I mean, you go to the animal kingdom. We watched something the other day. Some poor water buffaloes running around, and all these lions go, mm, lunch, right? Uh, and, and did they have any moral qualm, quandary with going murdering that water buffalo? No, they're thinking lunch, right? Uh, and and didn't, ha- didn't, didn't bother them a bit to go murder this water buffalo. Now, I couldn't watch it. Like, you know, once they eat that, like, I fast forward. I can't, I just, I, just, no, I just can't watch it. You know, it's just, you know, somebody, oh, look at that. You know, I think they got their heart, right? And, uh, it's just gross, you know, it's nasty stuff. Uh, and so, but an animal, they don't know, they don't have any concept of morals at all, right? Uh, but humanity, we, we, we struggle with those things. Why? Because God created these things in us, right? We know them that he had to write them down because they quit listening to God and going, okay, they won't listen to me, so let's just write them down. And so that's why the Old Testament was written, the primary of the laws, because they quit listening to God. And they're out just murdering everybody. He's like, Lord, look, you, you got to quit doing that. Really? Yes, you knew that when you was a baby, but you forgot when you got to be older, right? Uh, and so, so he said, uh, the law said, don't covet. He said, but t- sin taken occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence or desire. For, for, without the law, sin was dead. And, and then he says, verse 9. Verse 9 is the, is the key verse. It, it's such an important verse here. He said, for I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So what's he talking about there? I was alive without the law once, and when, sin commandment, uh, when the commandment came, or when, when somebody told me you can't do that, right? Or you must do that. That's a commandment, right? Don't do that. Don't take your, your sister's toys, right? Don't, don't pull a hair. You know, don't, don't do those things. Uh, he said, the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. Uh, so how did he die, though? That's the question. How did he die? When he said, I died, in what way did he die? Did he die physically? If Paul died physically right here, then that'd be the end of the book, right? There'd be no more writing. It'd be, I died, just a, you know, beep, that's it. There'd be nothing else after, the, after, this, after that period ended, then there'd be, Paul wouldn't be writing anymore because he's dead. But he's not dead physically because he keeps on writing. Amen. In fact, this is the first book he wrote, uh, and he wrote all the other books. Actually, we think that it was probably First Thessalonians was the first book he actually wrote, but somebody decided to put it in this order. You know, I don't care. It's, 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 it is what it is, right? Uh, and so, so Paul is talking about dying spiritually. So, uh, so your spirit can be alive, and your spirit can be dead. But what does that mean to be dead? Because uh, we, we always go to the natural realm, and we think, well, dead means they cease to exist. But, you know, even when you're physically dead, you don't, you're still, I mean, you go, to the, you go to the funeral home, right? They're in the body. They're in a box there, right? So they, don't, they haven't just disappeared. They just cease to function the way they're supposed to function, right? There's no longer life in them, right? Uh, and so uh, when, you, when you die spiritually, all that means is that life that God put in you, that life of God, is now you're separated from the life of God. So your, your, your spirit being is still alive. It, it will, your spirit being will live forever. Amen? Now, where it lives forever is your choice, right? Ideally, it would live forever in the presence of God. But it could live forever in the, 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 uh, uh, in the place of the damned, right? Uh, in hell. Uh, and, and you get to decide. Now, it's, it should be an easy decision. I'm going to heaven or I'm going to hell. Hmm. 
Who pauses on that? Who thinks more than a second about that? I go, hmm. You know, and I had somebody that just not long ago say, uh, you know, I'm going uh, to party in hell. I'm going to party in hell. It's like, no, you're not. You are not going to party in hell. Amen. It is a place of torment. Amen. Uh, it, it, is a, it is not a, it's not where all the fun people go. Amen. Uh, I mean, you hang around me. I have a lot of fun, right? But I don't do those things. Uh, and so I don't know why you're talking about fun people. I have a lot more fun than most people do, right? Because their, their fun is they regret it on Monday morning. I never regret any fun I have on Monday morning. Amen? Amen. So Paul said, I, die, I died spiritually. I was separated from the life of God. If I'm separated from the life of God, now I'm no longer qualified to go to heaven. God will not, because he's perfect and holy, and just, he, he cannot be in the presence of spirits that don't have the life of God in it. And so he had to create this place uh, called hell, not for humanity. He created it for the rebellious angels. But then when, 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 the, uh, when the humans came and they figured out a way to, to join in the same rebellion that the angels did, he said, well, I guess we got to stick them down there too, right? And so, so the place of the damned in hell is the place where people go that, that are, they end this physical life without recovering the life of God in them. Uh, and so Paul said, I... Uh, when, this, when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. I died spiritually at that moment. If I then also died physically, then uh, instead of going to heaven, I would go to hell because a dead spirit cannot be in the presence of a living God. And that's why there's a, a distinction there. Now, God had a fix, right? It's not like God's like, well, what are we going to do? I don't know. I guess we're stuck. No, he's like, well, you know what I'll do? I'll send my son. I'll restore them back to, to, the, to full life, and then they can spend eternity with me. But they have to choose to accept me, right? So now, how does this how does this happen? How does this occur? And who does it occur with? Who who goes through this process of the commandment coming and they dying spiritually? The Bible says, "For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God." So if all have sinned, then all every human being has come to this place. Now, what does that mean? It means that that when they're a baby, they're alive unto God, and when they when they you know mess their diaper, they're not going to hell. Right? I mean, you know, some of that stuff seems like it comes from hell because, I mean, you ever change a diaper? I mean, it's pretty bad, right? But they're not going to hell because of that diaper, right? I mean, it's pretty bad, but they're not, you know, it's just a thing. It's part of natural, you know, it's part of the fallen world, right? I don't know if there's any diapers. I don't think they were going to, in diapers in, in, um, in the garden, right? I don't know. Uh, if, if Adam and Eve had ever had children while they were still alive unto God, you know, maybe there was no diaper. I don't know. You know, that, that's... Uh, <laughs> We're getting, we're getting a, a far from the word of God right there, right? Uh, but, so every child that they grow up, now, uh, uh, does a baby know what he's doing, right or wrong? No. Does a one-year-old know what he's doing, right or wrong? No. What about a two-year-old? No. Even when they, they kind of throw a tantrum, right? Oh, I want my ball. They don't really know. They're just they're reacting to their environment, right? And that gets into the soulless realm, which we'll talk about later on. Uh, so they're just reacting to their environment, but they, but they haven't done anything to make a decision, right? But at some point, and we don't know what the point is. It depends on the person. It depends on, on their mental capacity. Because you know, when we get into soul, we'll talk about why that's important. But, but a, a person that's a growing up, and they become a young person, right? What is it, 8, 10, 12 years old? There's no particular number. But it's when that person understands, right, the commandment. Don't do that. And they look at the commandment, I shouldn't do that. But you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. When they have that mental capacity to make that decision, I'm not, it's wrong for me to do it, I'm going to do it anyway, that's when sin revives and they, they then are separated from the life of God. Now, every person is different at that age. We call it the age of accountability, right? When they're now accountable for their actions, right? 
you know, that's why uh, certain people, when they commit a crime, sometimes they try them as adults, and sometimes they try them as, as uh, uh, teenagers or whatever they are. Uh, because they say, if this person was, was, was mentally aware enough of what they did and why they did it, then we need to try them just like they're an adult because they, they need to be accountable for their actions. But you know, a kid, you know, how, many, how many tragic accidents where a kid get, grabs a, a mom and dad's gun or something and harms somebody, even kills somebody sometimes? And there's no intent there. It was just an accident. It's an unfortunate and terrible accident, but it was, there was no intent. So they don't, well, you're going to prison forever. I'm eight, right? And they're not going to send that child to prison. The child didn't know any better, amen? Uh, now, uh, at some point in time, everybody will go through that stage. And we say everybody, we just mean, you know, for the, for, for the most part, all of humanity. But, you know, there are people who, who become adults and they never, they, you know, they've got mental problems or they've got physical problems. And, you know, they don't have the capacity even to know right from wrong. We know people like that. People like that will never go through this process, right? Because they, they, never, they never understood right from wrong. They're, they're doing things. Sometimes they're doing wrong things, but they're not saying, I know it's wrong. I'm going to do it anyway. They've not made that decision. And see, that's the, 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 that's the distinction. Amen? And so we've got to make sure that we cover this correctly in the Word of God because, because people say, well, what they got over there? Well, I don't know. First of all, I'm not anybody's judge, right? But if they knew that that was wrong and they still did it, yes, they died spiritually. But if they didn't know it was really wrong, if, you know, if they didn't have the capacity, the mental ability to know that was wrong, they're still alive unto God. And if they, if they lived to be 50 years old and die, they would go to heaven because they never experienced this situation of, of, of Romans chapter 7. Now, 99.9% .9 of all humanity will go through Romans chapter 7. Uh, for the most part, all humanity will, will get to that point and go, it's wrong, I'm doing it anyway. Uh, and, and when they do that, see, then that's a problem. Now, they're, in, they're stuck, right? If they happen to die at that second time, they would miss heaven. They would be unqualified to go to heaven, right? Because God's a spirit, and he's perfect spirit. He, he's alive unto God. He turned everybody's light on, uh, uh, and, and he cannot stand in the presence of death. Amen? Amen. Uh, and so, so, so what are we stuck as humanity? Uh, no, we're not stuck with, as humanity. God always has a plan, amen? So let's turn back to John chapter 3, and uh, we may have to finish up here in just a little bit. So in John chapter 3, now uh, let's start in verse 1. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So a Pharisee, the, 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 the goal of the Pharisee was to search the Scriptures diligently and find out all the rules, all the regulations, and be the guys who said, we did it all. Because we, 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 Paul said, as far as being a Pharisee, I was blameless. As far as righteousness by the law, I was blameless. In other words, as a Pharisee, Paul was a Pharisee, uh, and they would, uh, they would search the Scriptures and say, you know, don't eat you know, this kind of food. Then we'll never eat that kind of food. You know, wear this kind of clothes, then we'll wear that kind of clothes. Pray so many times a day, then we're going to pray so many times a day. Whatever the rule was, they, they followed it diligently. And so that means they were students of the Word of God. Now, they weren't very good students because they missed Jesus, right? Jesus was, was the promise of all the scriptures of the Messiah to come, and Jesus showed up. They go, who are you? Well, I'm the guy you've been studying about. No, you can't be the guy. You're wrong because we, we're, we're smart. We've studied this Bible, now, and, and, and you're not him. But I am him. No, you're not. So you're smarter than God? Well, yeah, most of the time. That's what they thought, right? And so even Jesus wasn't good enough for them. And so, so but they should have known. They should have been the carriers of, of the covenant of God. The whole point of, of, 
of the God's plan was the Jews were to be the carriers and the protectors of the covenant of God until Jesus came, and then they were supposed the same Jews were supposed to take that covenant and tell the whole rest of the world, the whole, all the Gentiles, hey, we've had this for centuries, thousands of years. Now you can get on it too. Really? Yeah. And they're like, no, we don't do that. We're, you know, it's my ball. I don't want to share my ball. And so they didn't want to share. And they wanted to stay their little group of, of Jews, you know, a few million Jews. And, and, and uh, in fact, I heard one Jewish person just the other day say, well, we're, we don't proselytize. Right? We don't try to get other people to become Jews. We're happy with our group, and that's it. Now, and they missed the whole thing. And God's like, I did, you missed the whole plan. That was my whole plan from the beginning. You know? I set aside this little group, protect them, make sure I uh, in, invest the word of God in them. And, and then when I get to the cross and finish all of redemption, now you go tell everybody about it. Oh, we don't want to do that, Lord. We're happy with being the only ones. And so, you know, they just kind of, they got selfish, right? Not all of them, but some of them were. And so Nicodemus, so he knew some things, right? He was a student of the word, amen? Not just, not like, like, like Peter and James and John, they were fishermen. You know, they probably went to synagogue, but, you know, uh, a lot of kids uh, going to synagogue were not unlike a lot of kids today, right? They're, 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 you know, coloring pages and they're rolling around on the ground and they're, you know, chasing butterflies and, you know, well, you know, did you just remember what was read there in the book of Numbers? What, what are you talking about, right? Uh, so, you know, the people been people all, uh, as long as there been people. Uh, and so, but Nicodemus should have known. And it says, the same came in verse 2 to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, so no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with them. So Nicodemus was a pretty good fellow, right? I mean, he, he struggled, but he, he kind of was, was in both camps. Because on the one hand, he knew that, you know, he had to follow the law, but he's looking at Jesus and go, he's got to be of God. Look at him. He's raising people who are dead. He's walking on water. He's feeding 5,000. Got to be, you know, there's got to be something to this. So I'm pretty sure he's of God, but just to make sure, let's go at night. That way nobody will see me going, right? Because he came at night. See, if he was really bold, he'd come during the day. But, you know, he was a little nervous that they'd throw him out because later on we found out that the, the Jews had already said, if, if you like Jesus, you're out of the synagogue. And so, you know, there's a lot of pressure on any Jew trying to follow uh, Jesus. But he, he knew. He knew there was something there. He said uh, that, that uh, you've, got, you've got to have come from God. And Jesus said unto him, uh, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So now, uh, this just... The whole concept of the spirit realm and the spiritual problems with humanity was completely lost to the Jewish people. It was prophesied in Ezekiel and Jeremiah and different places, uh, even all the way back in the book of Genesis chapter 3 when God was prophesying uh, to, to Adam, he was talking about the days that was to come. Uh, but he talks about that he's going to put a new spirit in them and, and he's going to write their, uh, his law on their hearts. And so there's a lot of prophecies pointing to the work after the cross but the Jews completely missed all that, right? They focused on the first five books primarily, you know, uh, of, uh, of, the, of the Word of God, uh, and the, which was called the law, but they missed the prophets, right? They missed the writings. Uh, and so uh, uh, this is where Nicodemus is right here. So Jesus said, a man must be born again. And so when Nicodemus heard that in verse 4, he said, how can a man be born when he is old? He said, can he enter... Uh, the second time into his mother's womb and, and be born. See, he immediately went to the natural realm, right? Immediately went to when, because uh, he's thinking, we started the moment that our physical body was created. It's like, no, you were started the moment the Lord created that spirit being. 
Because remember, in, in the book of Genesis, when God created Adam, remember, he formed him out, out of the dust of the ground. And, and what was Adam doing immediately after God formed him from the dust of the ground? Nothing. He was just laying there, right? I mean, he had to hurry up because if it rained, there goes Adam. Right? I mean, you know, you put, the, you put the little mud cake together and it, you know, and then rain comes and where's Adam? Well, he's floating down the river. You know, there, there goes his arm right there. Uh, and so, uh, no, it was, it was until, God, the Bible says that God breathed into him, what? Uh, into the breath into his nostrils and Adam became a living soul. The Old Testament word is living soul. But that's when he became a living spirit where God breathed into him and that's when he became alive, right? That's when he actually became a human being, when God breathed life into him. But a lot of that was lost on the Jews. They didn't understand that concept of, of the spirit realm, right? And they knew it, but they didn't really understand it, right? They knew there was something there. But, and so this was, this was all new information to, to, to Nicodemus. A man must be born again. So uh, from a spiritual standpoint, so now we're in the New Testament. The work of the cross is done. So Paul, Paul is explaining that in Romans chapter 7, right? That I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. So uh, Jesus is saying a man must be born again. What he's saying is every human being on the earth must be born again in order to see the kingdom of heaven, right? In order to, see, uh, to be in heaven later on, right? But also even on this earth. Uh, and so, so every human being must be born again. Why? Because they were born as a child, according to John 1, 9, and they died spiritually, according to Romans chapter 7, so now they must be born again, right? Just like they were, to be born again means to restore them back to the, the position they were in when they were born the first time. And so when Jesus is saying born again, he's talking about their spiritual person, that their spiritual person was born alive unto God. And God said, that's ideal. That's the best place for humanity to be, is to be alive spiritually unto God. Uh, and so... Paul said, but every human being is going to go through this process that at some point in time, for the most part, the vast majority of humanity will, will look at a law of any kind, their parents, the laws of the earth, whatever they are, and go, I am not going to do that. And then now they are separated from the life of God. And Jesus said, a man must be born at that, from that point, a man must be born again. And if they don't, and they die physically and end this time on this earth, then they will miss heaven and, and they will spend eternity in damn. So, but that tells us, that gives some good news, some good, some hope there, because uh, all of humanity will, will die spiritually at some point in time, but because of the mercy of God, he allows them to, to remain on the earth physically to give them the opportunity to recover themselves and to get back right with God before the end of this time on this earth. So, well, you know, why does God just do that? Well, it was humanity's choice. Uh, and the frailty of choice you know, the, the, God gave us the ability to choose, but the frailty of choice is we can choose to do the wrong thing. Amen. You know, God's a free will. He could choose to do the wrong thing. I know the Bible says it's impossible for God to lie, but, you know, he could. Jesus had the choice, right? Jesus could have yeah. done some things wrong, but he never does, right? Because he chooses always to do what's right uh, because he has a choice. Say God doesn't have a choice, well, then he's not God. Mm. What makes him God is he has a choice. What makes you in the image of God is that you have a choice. Right. Amen. Uh, and the choice is the whole, the choice is, is the pivot uh, of all humanity, of your life. Every, every good thing and bad thing in your life came about because of a choice. Amen. Either the choice you made or sometimes a choice somebody else made uh, on your behalf or against you, right? Uh, and so, so uh, the, Jesus said, a man must be born again. So, so he's laying the groundwork, he's putting a stake in the ground that this is the whole point of redemption. All the work I'm doing is John chapter 3. Amen. 
all the work that all the reason I've been planning this for thousands of years is to get to where a man can be born again. Because even though he said a man must be born again, that's great. In John chapter 3, a man could not be born again yet because Jesus hadn't gone to the cross. And so he's saying this is what needs to happen. And we'll, we'll talk about, we'll, uh, uh, maybe we'll get to it next week, talk about what happened before the cross, right? What about all those people who died in the Old Testament? Amen. Are they all in hell? No, they're not on hell. Uh, they're all in heaven right now. Uh, and so, so but we'll, we'll, pick, we'll pick this up next week. We'll talk about well, what does it mean uh, if you get born again, what does it actually mean? Amen. Because that's the spirit realm. Jesus taught a man was born in the spirit, right? This is the spirit problem. And so your physical body doesn't change. It's your spirit needs to change. And, and, that's, and that's key, amen? Because your spirit is, is the part of you. You are a spirit. And the way that Brother Hagin ended up uh, uh, saying it, uh, he came up with this, the, this phrasing. I believe it was he, that he came up with it. He said, you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. And if you think about it that way, you are a spirit. When you say you, it, it's important to say, what do, what do you mean? Because a lot of times we say, well, I did that. Uh, and, and you really, that's kind of sloppy, right? Because Paul in Romans chapter 7 really makes a good distinction between I and, and the sin and, and different things. And so it's important to understand the, the distinction of these things. So a man must be born again. So we'll talk next week about what does that mean and how does that occur? Amen. Uh, and so uh, we're going to be here for a while. So just buck up and hang on for the ride, right? Uh, and so... Uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for his uh, word today. So, Father, we do thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you for the blessings of heaven. We thank you, Father, that you said a man must be born again. And you gave us the ability and the right and the privilege to do that, Father, by accepting the Lord Jesus. And so we thank you for these things, Father. And just real quick with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you've never accepted the Lord Jesus, he said you must be born again, but you do that by accepting the Lord Jesus. And if you've never accepted him, but you'd like to accept him, if you'd like to ask Jesus to come into your heart, then if you raise your hand, we'll be glad to pray with you and pray for you. Amen. Get you born again on the way to heaven. Because the Lord wants you to be in heaven. He put a, a lot of effort to get you into heaven. Amen. Thank you, Father. Well, Lord, we just thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the goodness and kindness. And Father, we thank you that your word is so. And Lord, we give you all praise and honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Uh, uh, let's get ready and... Um, We'll do communion here really quick, and then, um, um, and then we'll receive an offering after that. Amen. Uh, and communion, we, we receive communion usually once a month. Uh, and um, I think we had a lot of stuff going on last week, so we didn't do it last, last uh, Sunday. But um, um, we got a long ways to go, right? So I'm just on the first page of my notes here. So... <clears throat> Praise God. Well, it's supposed to, um, I guess it's supposed to be a little cooler this week here, but um, that's all right. I would encourage you, if you get a chance, um, to uh, start early voting on, on uh, Wednesday. And um, if you need to register to vote, I guess they can take your registration there too, right? So we, we live in a sane state here where they, they, they want you to actually prove that you are who you are, right? It doesn't seem like a lot to ask, right? Who are you? I don't know. I guess what they say in some places just vote early and often, right? Uh, and so <laughs> that's places like Chicago, New York, right? Philadelphia, we don't do that around here. So <laughs> anyway, the Lord is good. Uh, I think you'll enjoy this, this uh, uh, the study here. Um, hopefully it'll, it'll answer a lot of questions, amen, uh, and help you to be successful in this life. 
You know, the Lord's on your side. He wants you to be successful. He put a lot of effort and desire for you to be successful. Amen? In every realm. He created spirit, soul, and body, so he wants you to be successful, spirit, soul, and body. Amen? Sometimes the church says all that matters is to be successful spiritually. You'll never be successful in your whole life if you're not successful in all areas of your life. Amen? You have the right and the privilege to be successful spirit, and soul, and body because God created it. Amen? If he created it, then he created it for good. Uh, and so uh, when we get into the soul's realm, we've got to talk about emotions uh, and um, uh, your thought life. So we'll wall around a lot of things, amen, uh, and, uh, in that area. Uh, and so, praise God. Um, and don't forget, uh, we'll have healing school today at 3 o'clock. Uh, and um, um, I guess this is our, uh, yeah, we've, we started healing school in 2015, right? So uh, almost been doing it for 10 years. We actually started our um, ninth year this year, right? So, all right. Thank you, Mr. Jerry. All right. I'm not going to pay any attention to what just happened right there, right? <laughs> it's all good. We, uh, can we get her another one? Uh, and so, it's all good. Uh, I was in a church one time, and it's not been the first time, right? Uh, fortunately, we've got these indestructible floors here. Uh, you ever got choked on these little pieces of bread? I got choked on one, and I had to, I had to leave the building. Because uh, this little thing of juice, it's not enough, right? You want a gallon. You need a Slurpee when you get choked on these things, right? So if you get choked on them, we'll get you some water, right? But um, anyway, the Lord is good. Amen? And so why do we receive communion? He said to do this as, as often as you do in remembrance or to remind you what I've done for you. Amen? And so he's done so much for us, but he wanted to focus on these two things, right? He's the one who established uh, uh, this uh, rite of communion. And he said, this bread represents my body. He said, I, I came to the earth as a physical body and I allowed myself to take stripes and to be beaten beyond the recognition of a man because I care about you. I wanted to, to be your substitute for the pain and agony of the physical world. Uh, and, and I want you to know that you can live in divine health, free from sickness all the days of your life because I came purposely in a physical body so I could remove that, that problem from your life if you choose to accept it by faith. Uh, and he said, do this. When you remind yourself, take this bread, remind yourself, Lord, I can live in divine health all the days of my life because this bread represents what you did for me. And so let's receive the bread in thanksgiving. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for this bread in the name of Jesus. It re represents your body that you said w w took stripes upon it for my healing. And so, Lord, according to your word and by your will and plan, I can live in divine health all the days of my life. And so by faith, Father, I receive this bread in Jesus' name. And he said, this juice represents my blood shed for you for the new covenant, a covenant that you're free from sin, free from, free from uh, the spiritual problems, free from being uh, dead spiritually, that my blood will wash away all that sin, make you brand new. And he said, I want you to know that you have the right and the privilege to be made brand new, sparkling clean, with no past, no history of errors, no history of sin. And he said, I paid a great price for you to do that, and I want you to remember that, that I've done that for you. And so that's why he said to receive this juice. Amen. Let's pray and thank the Lord for the juice. So, Father, we do thank you uh, for this juice, which represents your blood, Father, that I can stand before you clean, not because I'm perfect and I've never done anything wrong, but you've washed me clean, Father. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. And so, Father, Father by faith, I receive this juice in Jesus' name.
All right, praise God. Was the Lord good? You know, just those two things right there. He's done so much for us, uh, even beyond that. But uh, those two things right there are pretty powerful, amen? So we thank the Lord for, for all the things he's done for us. And, and really the study of redemption, and, and really we kind of have to uh, touch on a lot of that in this discussion. The study of what all the Lord has done for us and the effort he put into it is really a great study, amen? We should never take light of, of, of what the great and mighty things the Lord has done for us. And so uh, don't forget uh, uh, to wish uh, Brother Tony happy birthday, amen? Right? Another year, amen? Another year. Just think what you're going to learn this next year, right? So... That's all right, amen. And so, and Miss Mildred's birthday is tomorrow, and then I've got a birthday a week from tomorrow, amen. All right, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings, amen. And the Lord has been good to us, and so if He's been good to us, then it's a small thing for us to, to give back to Him, amen. Uh, and we give according to the Word. If you were here on Wednesday, we were talking about some finances on Wednesday and how that operates seed time and harvest, and so it might be good to go back and, and uh, get that message there. Everything's available online. Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jaron, receive the offering. <clears throat> and um, we don't have any details yet on the cost of the uh, renovation next door, but um, when we get that, we'll, we'll uh, let you know what it's going to cost to do that. Amen. Uh, and so praise God. Well, um, how about preach myself happy at it? I don't know how, you know, we get on a roll there, right? So we got a long way to go, but um, it'll be good. We'll, um, we'll wall around and all this stuff for a while. Amen. All right, praise God. Well, again, don't forget uh, we have healing school today at uh, 3 o'clock if you get a chance to come out to that. And that's just where we just teach on the subject of divine health and healing. It's not about your diet or your exercise. It's about what the Word of God says to live by faith. Amen? Nothing wrong with diet and exercise, but um, uh, let's see what the Word of God says. Amen? All right, we'll be blessed. And uh, uh, who we're cheering for? Would you say we're cheering for? the What's team? With the team Fluff. Team Fluff, right? So the, the puppy bowlers today. So uh, uh, Team Fluff, Team Rough, right? So... Yeah, cheer for whoever puppy bowl you want to cheer for, right? All right, you're dismissed.